that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk about one of the most misunderstood words out in the world of Christianity. The word is salvation. There's probably not a word that is more misunderstood than this one word, salvation. Let's, let's talk about what we can agree on, okay, about the word salvation. First of all, we can all agree on that salvation is a free gift. Absolutely true. We can all agree on that you can't earn salvation. We can all agree on that. We can all agree on that by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, are we saved. In fact, we can also agree on Acts 4 and verse 12 that says this, Neither is there, any, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. In other words, it's Christ Jesus, it's, it's, listen, it's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone when you come to the issue of salvation. There's no other name, no other religion, whatever, no other guru, whatever you want to look at, Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now, the issue is, though, when it comes to salvation, I've met a lot of people who Look at salvation sort of like a ticket that you purchase. We'll, we'll call it the salvation ticket. And, uh, you know, that was something that was settled long ago. I purchased my salvation ticket long ago, you know, when I was a child, when I was a baby or whatever. I made my decision at age 12 or 13 or whatever, and I gave my hand to the preacher and my heart to the Lord. And since that time, you know, I got my salvation ticket, but nothing much has changed in my life. And I got a problem with that. That is no change in an individual's life. I've met all kinds of people who claim to be saved but have never been saved from themselves. You know what I mean? They've never been saved from themselves. They claim to be saved but they've never been saved from the man or woman in the mirror. Uh, they've never been saved from their vices, from their addictions, from their bad marriages, from their bad work ethics. They've never been saved from their profanity. They've never been saved from their lust. They have never been saved from themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've met a lot of people like that, haven't you? You see, there's a monster inside of all of us. And all you've got to do for that monster to become full-blown is just feed it the wrong kind of stuff. And again, I've met all kinds of people who claim to be saved, but have never been saved from themselves. That monster still lives within. Now, part of the problem is this word salvation. People don't understand it. And I want to go back to the Old Testament, yes, the Old Testament, for a better understanding of what it means to be saved. Now, let me just set it up for you, what I'm talking about here. I once heard of a story, and actually this story has been repeated many times, missionary work, where they go over to some pagan nation, you know, where they believe, I don't know, religion of voodoo or whatever, but, you know, they go over to these uh, 
pagan nations, maybe Africa or whatever, and they give them, in their missionary work, they give them half a Bible. Uh, guess what half they give them? Well, it's the New Testament. You know, and they, they, they supposedly get them saved. You know, they, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, so, whatever. You know, they, they get them saved. Okay. Now, I, I heard a story one time about, it was a National Geographic magazine. Uh, one of these uh, producers or whatever went over there. And he was talking to some of the tribesmen, and, and, and they said, you know, said, we work hard, uh, these, these Africans. They said, you know, we work hard all day long. And when we get off from work, there's not much to do. He said, yes, a man may have his wife, wives, but he also has many friends, uh, associates, you know, many other relationships, what he was implying. Now, what they're not given, they're given only half a Bible, the New Testament, but what they're not given is that other half, the Old Testament, that says this in Leviticus 20 and verse 19. It says, never have sexual intercourse with your mother's sister or your father's sister. Whosoever has sexual intercourse with a close relative uh, must be punished. In other words, they're not given this instruction about how to live their life, proper sexual relationship. They're not given true, real salvation. They're not told how to be saved from their own vices, from their own addictions, from their own lust, from their own sins. They're not given that. They're just given the New Testament. Are you with me on what I'm trying to tell you here? In other words, they're not told or talked about, you know, they're not told obedience to the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Did you realize that if, if as our nation, if we would keep that one commandment, we, we would wipe out all sexual transmitted diseases in a couple of years? It would be no more if we would just keep that one commandment. Of course, there'd be a lot of lawyers out of work, too. That'd be a good thing. You know, divorce court and all that. If we would just keep one commandment, the blessings that would come upon this nation just by keeping one of the Ten Commandments would be incredible, absolutely incredible. And so what I'm talking about is real salvation here. This is what I call real salvation. In other words, salvation is a way of life for the individual who is truly saved. It's a way of life. So I want to look at salvation from the Old Testament and look at some scriptures here. Psalms 18 verse 2. It says this, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Man, you talk about some of the incredible things that are mentioned here. First of all, he mentions the Lord is my fortress. As a little kid, I used to build, you know, a fort or whatever. But, you know, you ever feel scared? Well, look, when you got this kind of salvation where the Lord is your fortress, you don't, you, know, you don't fear things like that. Not when you have this kind of salvation. He says, the Lord is my deliverer. When you have this kind of salvation, there's always a way out. You're never trapped. You, there's always a plan. There's A through Z. You're never outsmarted by your enemy when you have this kind of salvation. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength. You ever feel weak? Listen, not when you have this kind of salvation. The Lord is my high tower. Oh, I like that, high tower. You know, I, think, I imagine getting up in a tower and looking out 
at whatever's coming. The enemy's coming. The Lord is your high tower. You're never taken by surprise. Not when you have this kind of salvation. All right, let's continue on. Psalms 24 and verse 5. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Hey, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Blessing from God. I like the idea of blessing. Now, I know a lot of ministries base their entire ministry on just blessing, that God is a blessing machine. But, but hey, we all want to be blessed, do we not? And this says this kind of salvation is the Lord, he shall receive the blessing from God. How would you like to know that God is on your side blessing you? Oh, this is real salvation right here. In other words, not a dysfunctional, chaotic life that doesn't work Woe and misery everywhere you go. You can't do anything right. You can't get nothing right in your life. No. It says, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Psalms 25 and verse 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. You know, salvation is connected with truth. You shall know the truth, and that truth that you know shall set you free. You know, it, uh, listen, salvation is not a pack of lies, traditions, religious traditions that are not in the Bible. That's not salvation. Deception. No. You shall, tr salvation involves knowing the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Psalms 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom sh shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. He is the strength of my life. And in whom shall I be afraid? You look at these things. Fear. Strength. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear. This is real salvation right here. This is the kind of salvation that very few religious people seem to have. You know, religious people, they're just as afraid of the economy collapsing and, and all, you know, do you remember the Y2K thing, that you know, year 2000? Listen, a lot of religious people got on board with that one. They were scared half to death. They were packing up and storing up food stuff, you know. <clears throat> and, and they were scared half to death. Yeah, it's true, you know. Okay, Psalms 37 and verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. You know, I'm not saying trouble is not going to come your way. Trouble comes to Christians, believe me. But when you have trouble, God is your strength in time of trouble. This is real salvation. Psalm 68 and verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefit, even the God of our salvation. Man, you talk about incredible here. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. You got a truckload of benefits every day that pulls up into your driveway and just dumps it right there out, right in the middle of your front yard. Daily loads us with benefits. This is the kind of salvation that I'm talking about here. Psalm 68 and verse 20. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God, the Lord belongs the issues from death. You realize what that's telling you? 
That tells, it tells you that the, this issue of living and dying, all that's settled, you know. Yes, your physical body is going to die. It, it's appointed unto all men to die once, but you can be resurrected by the power of God. He gives you, Jesus Christ, the only promise Christ ever gave of living again was by a resurrection. A lot of people don't know that, but that's the only promise he ever gave of living again was by resurrection. But this issue here has been settled if you have real salvation. You don't have to worry about that big issue, that big ugly issue of death. You don't fear death, okay? Psalms 91 and verse 16, what is real salvation? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow, look at this. With long life will I satisfy, satisfy him. You know, are you singing the song, I can't get no satisfaction? Well, God says, look, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, you look at these scriptures and you begin to wonder, well, who would not want this kind of salvation? And I'm telling you, salvation has not been presented properly by the men of God in our society. No, it's just, a, it's like cheap salvation. It's cheap grace. It's a superficial, one-time decision that any buffoon can make. Oh, I'm saved. Yeah, yeah I'm saved. My life's not working, but I'm saved. Yeah, I'm dying of AIDS, but I'm saved, you know. I'm, I'm a bum on the street, you know, hadn't worked in 40 years, but I'm saved, you know. Nonsense. Nonsense. Let's take a look at Psalms 119 and verse 174. It says, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Now, this verse reveals why so many people have never experienced real salvation. They want salvation without commitment. They want salvation without obedience. They want salvation without the law of God. They want salva salvation without any, accepting any authority from Jesus Christ. They will not accept Christ. They want to accept Christ as, as their Savior, but they will not accept Christ as their Lord and do what he says to do and practice what he did. No, no, they're not about to do that, but they, they want salvation. Now, what is real salvation? What is real salvation? L let me ask you about this. What about you? What, about, what is there in your life right now that needs saving? What is it? Let me ask it another way. What in your life is not working right now? Is there anything in your life that's not working? Well, whatever in your life is not working, you need to be saved from that, okay? Uh, maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it's finances. Hey, a bad marriage, maybe you need to be saved from that. You need to be saved from that bad marriage. Whatever in your life is not working, you need to be saved from. I remember a couple that used to visit our church and um, they absolutely hated each other's guts. Couldn't stand each other. Oh, but they claimed to be saved. Oh yeah, oh Christians, yeah, boy, they, they couldn't get enough of religion. In fact, I, I nearly had to run them away from church one time because they would never leave. They would hang out at church all day long. And listen, listen, I'm a busy man. I don't have time to hang out in church all day long. But they would stay there until the doors was closed. I, one time I thought about putting cots in the church just to, to, to spend the night there if they wanted to. But I've never seen anything like it. They wouldn't leave. And one day it dawned on me, the reason they wouldn't leave is because they would do anything to avoid being alone together. If it meant staying at church all day, anything, because they couldn't stand each other. 
And they would not go and get any marriage counseling. But boy, they were Christians. They loved Jesus. And they have never been saved from their bad marriage. I've met family systems, dysfunctional family system. I'm thinking about a family right now that I, for some strange reason, I don't know why I would stop by there and visit them, but I'm talking about there was incest going on, there was alcoholism, there was a son that was not working, 45 years of age and still not working, unwanted pregnancy, and guess what? They all had one thing in common. They all claimed to be saved. You know, I'm saying there's just something wrong with this disconnect that I see with a lot of people that claim to be saved. You got salvation, you know, I, oh, I'm saved, and yet my life is a miserable wreck of dysfunctional, uh, uh, of just chaotic mess of woe and misery. You know what I'm talking about? You ever met people like that that claim to be saved, and you look at their life and you say, wow, that's salvation. I don't want anything to do with it. Why is there this disconnect? with people that claim to be saved and their life doesn't work. Well, Psalms 119 and verse 174 says, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. They don't want the discipline that comes from the law of God. You see, the law of God is what makes your life work. God loves you enough to give you his law. And a lot of people think, well, God could have, you know, God is not just arbitrarily going around giving laws, you know. Well, well, he could have just said, uh, commit adultery as easy as he said, don't commit adultery. No. The reason he says don't commit adultery is because if you commit adultery, it will wreck your marriage. It will wreck your life. It, will, it can kill you with some of the diseases that are out there today. And, you know, from God's perspective, God is wise. God is full of wisdom. You know, whatever these bugs are can be transmitted back and forth between husband and wife and nothing occurs. But when you start spreading them, those bugs for a better word, between this partner and that partner and this person and that person, something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. Something goes terribly wrong. God knows this. And he says, be faithful to your wife. God loves you enough to give, his, give you his law. But there's all kinds of religious people that will not accept that authority in their life. They want salvation, but they will not accept that authority in their life. You know, I could tell a lot about your salvation just by talking to your boss. Did you know that? Yeah, I could talk to your boss and say, hey, what's that guy you got working for you there? Oh, that guy, I tell you, if I didn't stand behind him 24-7, he, he's just there to get a check. He's just there to get by with the least amount of possible. You know, he's... That's the sorriest worker I've ever met. Yeah, and you claim to be saved, do you not? Oh, that girl, I tell you, that girl will steal you blind. That work, girl works in the office. She'll steal the paper clips. She'll steal the papers. She'll steal the pencils and the ink pens. She'd walk out with the whole desk if she could. Yeah, but you claim to be saved, huh? You claim to be saved. Have you ever been saved from yourself? You know, a lot of you, when you tell others that you're saved, you make God look bad. You make God look bad. If that's salvation, people look at you and say, if that's salvation, I don't want anything to do with his God. If that's salvation, listen, get your act together. Get off your butt and make your life work. Return to the law of God and start submitting to the law of God. Find you a church that believes in the law of God. Now, that's going to be hard to do, by the way. 
Oh, they all give lip service to it. They all, you know, but, but as far as actually doing what the Bible says, there's very few. Does your salvation have anything to do with the way you live your life? Or is it just lip service? Is it just, is it just well, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. And your life is a chaotic, dysfunctional woe and misery that no one would want to mimic in a million years. Man, if that's salvation, give me a break. And I'm telling you, salvation just hasn't been presented in the right light today. Like I said, it's presented as a one-time decision that any buffoon can make. Does your salvation have anything to do with the way you live your life? In Deuteronomy 30, in verse 15, it says this. It says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Now, this is what God lays out for us. There's two choices. The choices are life and good and death and evil. Sin leads to death. Keeping God's law leads to a life that works and goodness. That's the choices that you have to make. Continuing on in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 16, it says, In that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God shall bless thee in the land where you go to possess it. Now in this passage, it talks about, there's a list of blessings and cursings. And it says, if you continue reading, you have to read the whole chapter, but if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings shall come upon you. And it just goes through a list of blessings. If you will hearken, if you will do what God tells you to do, and all these blessings, blessed shall you be when you go in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the city. Are we blessed in the city? Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. I mean, your children will be blessed. You'll have healthy children, you know. Just blessings, 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 blessings. If you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And then it gives just the exact opposite. If you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these curses shall come upon you. And the curses is just the exact opposite of the blessings. Curses shall you be in the city. Curses shall you be in the country, you know. Cursed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. Cursing, cursing, and cursing. Now, the question is this. Is it possible, possible to be saved and not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God? That's the question. Is it possible for you to be saved and not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God? Now, inwardly, we all know the answer. We all say, well, of course, God wants us to obey him. Of course, God wants us to keep his law. We all know the answer. We would say, well, no, it's not really possible to do that, to be saved and not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. But then theology comes along and says, just believe. Just accept Jesus into your heart. Grace plus nothing. The law's been abolished. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. Jesus nailed it to his cross. And people live under the illusion that I can be saved and I don't have to do a thing God says to do. 
And I tell you who's at fault for that kind of nonsense. It's the preachers that dot our land, the preachers that have taught this kind of pablum and baby food. Yeah, they're the ones responsible for that kind of response. That people would come to the conclusion that, yeah, I can be saved, but I don't even have to do a thing God says. I don't have to hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. All these blessings shall come upon you if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these curses shall come upon you. You know, theology, get this, theology can make or break a nation. You understand? Theology and this is really theology here. If you will hearken into the voice of the Lord your God, or if you will not, theology can make or break a nation. And poor theology can destroy a nation. And for too long, we have been victims of poor theology. And that's what's really in your Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a, a set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. I uh, think somewhere down the road with our walk with God, we must ask ourselves the question, is my faith the religion of the Bible? What I believe, the things that I am doing, the traditions that I'm following, do they match the life of Jesus Christ and his disciples? In other words, does my religion match the faith of the early New Testament church and what Jesus Christ did and what Christ tells us to do? If it doesn't match, something's wrong. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.